The Holy Gospel according to Luke, the 15th chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. Now, all the tax collectors and sinners were coming near to listen to Jesus. And the Pharisees and the scribes were grumbling and saying, This fellow welcomes sinners and eats with them. So he told them this parable. Which one of you, having a hundred sheep and losing one of them, does not leave the 99 in the wilderness and go go after the one that is lost until it is found? When he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders and rejoices. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. Just so, I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. Or what woman, having 10 silver coins, if she loses one of them, does not light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it. When she is founded, she calls together her friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the coin that I had lost. Just so, I tell you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. The Gospel of the Lord. My dear brothers and sisters, I bring you grace and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. That hymn we just sang is a paraphrase of Psalm 23 set to music. I don't know if anyone watched it, but the first of what will be many services now for Queen Elizabeth II was held on Friday in uh, London at St. Paul's, and they sang uh, another setting of it, but the same uh, paraphrase of Psalm 23, which in my own mind feels like sort of a way that we can be worshiping in solidarity with all those who are grieving her death after 70 amazing years on the throne. Just absolutely incredible. That is not, however, what I'm here to preach about today. This is, of course, the start of the academic year or the program year, and so some people talk about this as the real start of the year. And at moments like this, I always think it's appropriate and helpful and meaningful to just go back to some basics. And so today I want to lift up three things for you uh, as we gather for worship. The first is a strong word of welcome to each and every one of you. And I'm going to divide that up in a few ways because I have a feeling we have people who sort of fall into different categories here today. So if, for example, today is the first time you've ever worshipped with us, either in person or online, and I know we've had a lot of people worshipping with us for the first time through the summer, but I certainly assume we have people worshipping with us for the first time today, then please hear these words. Welcome, welcome, welcome. We are so glad you are all here. If... You have been a member of St. Philip Deacon for a long time, maybe months or maybe years, and you've been here faithfully over the last year and a half or so since we've been back together after um, Easter of 2021, Um, then again, welcome to each of you. I'm grateful to you for your faithfulness and for all the ways you support and sustain this congregation. 
And then the third category, and I know there are people like this uh, because I've been talking to them all summer and they all say something similar. Um, there are people I have a feeling here today who have been part of this community for a long time, but maybe haven't uh, been present for whatever reason. Friends, the last few years have been a little strange. Can I get an amen to that? Amen. And we all need an extra measure of grace for each other and for ourselves. Those people who have maybe not been around so much have come to me and said, uh, I'm kind of embarrassed, I'm kind of sheepish, I'm a little ashamed that we haven't been there. Please, again, give yourself some grace and forgiveness. And if that category is you, you are welcome today. We are so glad you are here. Maybe just one logistical note on this first category. As you entered today, you may have seen opportunities to write a name tag for yourself. Please take those up and, and actually do that. Uh, as we're gathering for these first few months this fall, it's a really helpful way to ease the anxiety for everyone and to help us grow in community so that we can be a stronger and healthier community for the world, okay? So that's the first thing I wanna say. Welcome, welcome, welcome to each and every one of you wherever you're coming from, whether you've been here a long time or whether you're new. Second thing, and again, uh, I mentioned this in the first point, the last few years have been a little strange, right? And yet, and I say this with all humility and filled with gratitude, St. Philip the Deacon is a healthier congregation today than we were a few years ago. I'm now beginning my 16th year here at St. Philip the Deacon. It has always been a wonderful, healthy, vital, vibrant congregation, right? Uh, but all of the things we've had to deal with over the last few years, like every organization and institution and company and church, have forced us to be creative and to innovate and to use that word we've heard so much, to pivot, right? All of those have made us healthier today, and I will say this too, they have prepared us for God's future really well, which is why I also believe the best days of St. Philip the Deacon are not behind us, but are ahead of us. That doesn't know, mean we know exactly where God is leading us. We never do. What I am convinced of, though, is that God is leading all of us on a grand adventure in these next few months and years, and I am thrilled to be able to go on that adventure with each and every one of you. It's gonna be exciting. Can I get an amen to that? Amen. All right, final th third point. And this will lead now from this week to the next two weeks. I thought it'd be helpful to lift up uh, some basics of our faith as we begin this program year. Uh, there are lots of ways uh, we could talk about the basics of what it means to be a Christian or what the church is called to do. One important theologian in the 20th century, though, uh, summarized everything that the Christian church does into three categories. We worship, we serve the poor, and we evangelize. We worship, we serve the poor, and we evangelize. I'm going to talk about serving the poor and evangelizing in the next couple of weeks, so let me just say a, a few things about the first of those, namely worship. Uh, you may be interested to know, you may not be interested to know, I'm going to tell you anyway, that the word worship comes in English, at least from an old English word, worth 
ship, which as you might guess, means something that deserves worth, something that's meaningful, something that's valuable, something even that we might, that's so filled with worth that we might want to bow down to it. Here's the important point about this, friends. We associate worship, right, with doing what we're doing here, coming to church. If you don't come to church on a Sunday morning, that does not mean you are not worshiping something. Human beings are wired to worship, okay? And no one makes this point, in my mind, better than someone I will call the sort of informal musical poet laureate of Minnesota. Does anyone, choir, you know the answer to this? (laughs) Does anyone know who I might be thinking of? Yes, Bob Dylan. Do you know what song I'm thinking of? Anyone? You got to serve somebody? Anyone know Bob Dylan here? (laughs) (laughs) And you know the lyrics? You got to serve somebody. It might be the Devil. devil, or it might be the Lord. It might be the devil or it might be the Lord, but you're gonna have to serve somebody. Dylan's point isn't that someone's going to come up to you and say, hey, you got to start serving someone now. His point is you will serve someone or something in this life. The challenge for Christians is to get what we're serving, what we're worshiping correct. One of the ways to think about the grand sweep, the narrative arc of the Bible is precisely repeating again and again, people, don't worship something that isn't God. Don't put something in God's place that is less than God. What's the first commandment? I am the Lord your God. You shall have no other gods before me. That's not because God is up in heaven saying, well, if you worship someone else, my feelings are going to be hurt. That's God saying, I know who you are, and I love you. And because I love you, I want you to worship the only thing, the only person, the only being that is worth worshiping, namely me. If you worship something less than me, things will not go well for you. So that commandment comes to us out of love. We didn't read it this morning, uh, but the Old Testament appointed reading for today is the story of the golden calf. Uh, Do you remember, associated with the giving of the Ten Commandments, you remember that story? Moses goes up the mountain to get the Ten Commandments. While he's there, the Hebrew people get bored. So what do they do? They make a golden calf, an idol, and they bow down to it. I think in 2022, we hear a story like that and we think, well, that was then. Those people were innocent. They were naive. They weren't as smart and sophisticated as us. Folks, for millennia, and this is why it's one of the narrative arcs of the Bible, human beings continue to get this wrong. We bow down and worship at things that are not God. The four traditional things that turn into idols for us, uh, pleasure, power, honor, and wealth. Pleasure, power, honor, wealth. I want to be quick to say something. I don't want you to go home and say to your friends and family, hey, I was at church this morning and Pastor Tim said, pleasure, power, honor, and wealth are bad. I did not say that. I am not saying that. They are gifts from God like everything else. What I'm saying is that when we get them out of whack with what we really should be worshiping, things go badly. 
Those four things, pleasure, power, honor, wealth, they are good servants. They are terrible masters, right? And so we come to a place like this to again and again and again recalibrate what we may be bowing down and worshiping and try to direct ourselves to the God who is alone worthy of worship. Here's a good test for yourself about whether you are worshiping uh, God or something less than God. If you're worshiping something less than God, that will tend to turn you in on yourself. It will tend to make you uh, focused on yourself, curved in on yourself, which is, as many theologians have said, the primal or primary sin. If, however, you are worshiping the one true God who is love, what you may discover is that that love flows out from you and, among other things, helps you to serve the poor and to share that love with others. We'll talk about those two things in the next couple of weeks. In the meantime, again, please hear how delighted and thrilled we are to have you here this morning. Will you join me now in a word of prayer? Loving God, we give you thanks for drawing us together again as your people. As we worship you this morning, we pray you will remind us of the depth of your love for us and help us to share that love with all the world. In all this we pray in the holy name of Jesus. Amen.